the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, good morning, Arkansas. State Auditor Dennis Milligan hosting the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, I, I tell you what, uh, uh, I was so excited when Dave asked me. I've hosted the show before, and uh, he said we got back some very good reports. So I hope we can uh, continue that tradition. I'm actually going to be hosting today, tomorrow, and Friday. And uh, so I think he was kind of pumping me up because when I said to him, you know, Dave, you couldn't get anybody else, right? And he thought that was pretty funny. So we're going to get right into it. I think we have Congressman French Hill uh, ready to, uh, uh, to, to answer some questions for us. So, uh, French, are you there? Well, State Auditor, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Good to have you on the show. We miss Dave, but, you know, you're a very worthy substitute. Oh, yeah. Now, now <laughs> I get it. So so uh, just let me clear up a couple of things with you first. Uh, uh, I do have a great face for radio. Uh, I, I've been told That's that fine. a number of times. And also something a little bit on a personal note with you. Don't we have a new doctor in the house? Boy, we do. We do. Martha Hill and I are so proud that our daughter, our oldest child, Liza Hill, is a brand-new MD, having graduated from UAMS, and she is now delivering babies. She's an OBGYN resident at the University of Alabama Birmingham Hospital, and we're so proud of her. That is, uh, and, and and you should be, uh, and I, I concur very much so. So she's doing, would, would it be called a residency? Is that what she that is? is? yeah. Okay. Uh, when you graduate from med school, you go into a residency in your area of specialty, and <clears throat> she'll be in that uh, uh, for four years. Well, obviously a very talented individual, and uh, we certainly wish her the very, very best in her career. So, well, let's talk uh, Let's talk impeachment. What, what is this all about? So over the – since the, the House uh, – taken over by the Republicans in January, one of the commitments we made in the 2022 campaign was that we would get to the bottom of whether Joe Biden knew anything about Hunter Biden's illegal activity from the time when he was vice president, and has he gotten any money from Russian oligarchs, Romanian oligarchs, Ukrainians, Chinese interests, and uh, Jamie Comer of Kentucky uh, who Dave interviewed two weeks ago, we had Jamie on the show two weeks ago, has discovered that there are direct connections between Biden family members through these uh, network of limited liability companies, and that uh, through bank records, they've gotten uh, records that uh, 
uh, millions of dollars flowed from those foreign countries into those network of LLCs. And so there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that Biden family members, potentially including the president, benefited. Also, Joe Biden said he wasn't involved in any of Hunter Biden's issues. He said that during the 2020 campaign. He said it all during the first two years of his presidency. And now we've had whistleblowers come for, forward to the Comer Committee and the Ways and Means Committee and say, well, that's not true. That, in fact, Hunter Biden was selling access to Joe Biden, and Joe Biden participated in uh, some meals and in some phone calls with people who Hunter Biden was consulting with and taking money from while a seated vice president. So maybe Joe Biden is not uh, being candid about other aspects of this. So what this impeachment inquiry facilitates the House doing has more clout when they subpoena these records and subpoena witnesses. And that's why I think uh, Speaker McCarthy went ahead and uh, moved forward with it. I support the effort. I think the American people want to get to the bottom of this and find out what the facts are. Well, you pretty much stated that, what, on Sunday on Face the Nation? Am I correct? Exactly. About, yeah. Yep. So, uh, and, and, and keep in mind, <clears throat> Congressman, I am an auditor of state, so if you need any help, uh, you know, researching some of the, the records or whatever, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to offer my services. You'd be a good one to get in there and dig around <laughs> in those bank records. Yeah, right. Well, uh, so... I mean, what else have we got going on that uh, you want your constituency to be aware of? Now, let me clarify something. The impeachment, it's just an inquiry. There are no articles of impeachment. There is no impeachment vote on the House floor. I've heard all kinds of stuff the last 24 hours. That has nothing to do with this right now. Sure. What McCarthy's doing is he's authorizing Jamie Comer Oversight Committee, Jim Jordan Judiciary Committee, Jason Smith Ways and Means Committee to continue their investigation. And by actually opening it as an inquiry, it gives them additional legal capabilities uh, that will add and hopefully speed up uh, the responses to their questions from Hunter Biden-related family members and other witnesses. So, French, any idea of a timeline? I mean, is this something no, that it's ha- such an important question? I mean, I want this over as soon as possible. I don't want this dragging on into the campaign year last year. I mean, this should have been investigated, frankly, uh, by the Biden Justice Department back uh, starting in January of 2021. Uh, this story, as you know, broke. It's an old story that Hunter Biden was selling access. That's not a new thing. But when Tucker Carlson broke out, uh, broke the news about a month before the 2020 election in his uh, groundbreaking interview with one of Hunter Biden's business partners who went on the record, who was a director of the Burisma company in Ukraine, it was never covered by the mainstream media. Imagine uh, that. So, Imagine that. <laughs> amazing. And, you know, uh, obviously, the I see, you know, uh, the Justice Department is supposed to be the arbiter of fair and equal justice for all Americans. And they should have been more aggressive about that during the first two years of the Biden administration. You know, I don't know a federal prosecutor that lets the statute of limitations run out on a charge. That's very curious to me why that happened on one of the charges against Hunter Biden. That makes no sense to me. Why did they have a plea deal that no other American could get and then turn around and have a judge reject it as absolutely unfair? So uh, 
we want the facts, we want the answers to our questions, and, and hopefully we'll get those just as soon as possible. So really what you're saying, Congressman, is if, if, if D.C. didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. <laughs> well, you, you're, you're talking the talk. Because yeah. that's, I think this is what, and when I talk to a lot of mainstream media people, I don't think they get uh, ordinary Americans' frustration with what they see as a double standard. Uh, and it's really not just talking about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's legal problems. It's illustrated right here with Hunter Biden very specifically, very contemporaneously, um, also connected to, <clears throat> obviously, an American uh, president. But I saw it when I was at the bank, Dennis. Yeah. I saw where people were prosecuted with no rationale of prosecution. And then after spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, they just get a letter one day from the Department of Justice saying, oh, I'm sorry, we made a mistake. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, and you've seen that in your business career. So yeah. people really are on, a, on alert from this. And we, this is why we have a, a committee in the House. It's called the uh, committee, a Select Committee on the Weaponization of the uh, U.S. Government. And this is where we think the FBI and some of the Department of Justice have become so politicized, they don't, they're not using good judgment or doing a good job, that we want to change that. Well, hopefully you'll keep your eye and keep your thumb on this situation uh, and uh, keep us updated as, uh, as you come back and, and talk to Dave in the future. Moving on a little bit, what about some funding? Don't, do we have some uh, yep. Can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? We got we got some big issues this fall. We need to complete uh, the debates in Congress and approve the final budget spending for FY24, which we're actually going to be in starting October 1st. <clears throat> and we, in, as a part of our debt ceiling deal, you know, we, we reduced the top line for FY2024 to below FY2023. So for the first year, we'll spend actually less money. Uh, and we've capped domestic spending at one year for the next six years. So those were some of the parameters of the debt ceiling deal from last May. But now we've got to translate that into the absolute specific spending bills, cabinet by agency by cabinet agency. We only passed one of those bills in the House in July, and the Senate's now passed all 12. So the House is behind in passing the individual spending bills, and that's what we're debating this week, next week, and the next week. Uh, And I'm very frustrated by that. We should have done our work. Uh, We we made it easy by negotiating a spending deal. We wrote these bills uh, to lower than that amount, and yet we're still tangled up uh, trying to get those across the House floor. We don't have negotiating power if we don't pass those bills in the House. If we want lower spending, lower regulation costs, and we want uh, Republican conservative policies and not Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden policies, we need to pass those bills. So that's that's job number one right now for the House. Well, again, uh, uh, you know, hopefully uh, uh, we'll come together. You know, French, I've had the opportunity. I was a state chairman of the RPA, the Republican Party of Arkansas, here. I've been a candidate on the ballot in a number of different situations. And we Republicans, we're good. We're usually pretty good car chasers. We do have some issues when we get into uh, uh, when we get into the actual governing part. So, uh, But I trust you'll, uh, you'll stay on top of it. What else is happening in D.C. that's uh, uh, of any consequence? Well, we're, we're working hard. I'll just conclude that topic by simply saying we got a lot of people who want to take shots 
but they're not putting any points on the board. I got you. And I'm I'm for I'm for winning. I'm for putting points on the board and winning the game. And Absolutely. I think we have a lot of people. And I'll say this in both political parties, but we have a lot of people that can't take yes for an answer and can't take a victory. They yeah. will, you know. Uh, so that's what we're struggling with right now. But we got other agendas. We got to get a farm bill, very important to Arkansas. Rick Crawford of yes. Eastern Arkansas and John Bozeman, our senior senator, are working hard on that. We've got to get a farm bill passed this fall. We've got to get the uh, defense bill uh, conferenced, which means the House and Senate have to do the final bill and agree on that. That's pending right now before us. And then we have some other things like, uh, as I mentioned, reform of the FBI that's pending and also reauthorizing the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. So there's a lot on Congress's plate this fall. I sit on two very important boards, uh, Teacher Retirement and the Public Employees Board, which, uh, uh, again, uh, we make significant decisions helping to lead and guide uh, uh, the teacher retirement entity. Uh, and as well as the state. Uh, also, for some of you that may or may not know, I had the great, great pleasure of serving for eight years as a treasurer of state, and I just uh, I had a blast getting to do that, returning and investing. Uh, I think when we started, we were at about three point five billion in asset. I think the other day I looked and we were around eleven billion, and. Uh, that's a pretty significant increase. In the eight years I was in office, we didn't really have very high interest rates to work with, and yet we still were able to uh, return. So I'm committed uh, to, uh, uh, to, and I love my state of Arkansas so very much, and I just want to, uh, to do the very, very best job that we can do. And again, uh, help us out there with that claim at AR.com so that we can... Uh, uh, that we can get your money back to you. I've got uh, Aaron Weatherford leading the charge. He's uh, he's kind of flying this airplane. There's more buttons around here, and Carter's got pills, and they that's asked me not to touch any of them. So I don't want to I don't want to eject myself out of here. Oh yeah, thanks, Stacy. So. One of the other things she wants me to jump back into the auditor role is I do payroll for some 600 uh, employees. Well, Gary Underwood just corrected me. 705 uh, judges, prosecutors, uh, constitutional officers. Uh, so that's that's also a pretty important uh, a pretty important role because people will make a phone call to you if they don't get their money. And, and but I'll tell you, Gary, uh, that is one of the great things about being an auditor. When you call somebody up and tell them they've got money coming, they will return your call. Yeah. Uh, and and by the way, I've even had some questions, and we'll probably talk about this over the next three days. Uh, some people have thought that sometimes when we contact or or uh, uh, and it's your responsibility to check it out. We can't check everything. But a lot of people have thought this is a scam, and you feel free to call our offices if you in some way feel like that uh, uh, whatever you're looking at is not uh, prim and proper, so to speak. So, I think it's just following the trail of evidence that uh, Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan and others, Jason Smith, have been gathering all along. And you've got Hunter Biden with 20 LLCs that have never provided any kind of service. 
that have had millions of dollars from foreign countries put in those LLCs and um, distributed to Biden family members. And, you know, Joe Biden started off, they were saying he, he knows nothing about this. And, and now they're, I don't know what the official line is, but it's something like he he wasn't involved in Hunter's business dealings. Uh, of course, you know, they've got uh, evidence of him being at meetings with Hunter, he, with him being on phone calls with Hunter. Um, so, uh, you know, this is serious stuff when you look at these countries that are foreign countries that were pouring money into LLCs run by Hunter Biden uh, and money distributed to the Biden family. Uh, years, and I remember when Jamie Comer told me months ago, he said, we, we've got uh, evidence of this. And he said, it's pretty bad when, when China is the most reputable country on the list. Um, so which, uh, it's something that needs to be continued continues to need to be investigated and uh, to build the evidence should there be an impeachment you want to make sure you've got solid ground and solid evidence and you're not doing um, an impeachment like Democrats uh, did in the last cycle. Well here's the problem with President Biden first of all you know lying is something that uh, I mean I guess if you're good at it but but lying is you can't remember who all you've lied to and then we all know president biden has a little bit of a health issue and i'm not for sure uh he remembers at all what he's done but we'll yeah, we'll prayerfully sure he remembers what he had for <laughs> we'll prayerfully be able to uh, uh smoke that out as i told congressman hill you know if 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 dc didn't have double standards we wouldn't have any standards at all and uh, so uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, so to speak. But uh, also, uh, again, I visited with French a little bit about uh, the upcoming uh, trying to get a budget together. Uh, what has been your take on that so far? Well, we're um, working on appropriation bills. The way this should be done is we should pass appropriation bills and uh, send them to the Senate in conference with the Senate and and give it a budget on the president's desk to be signed. I got you. Uh, with our very slim majority in the House, we're having a hard time getting agreement on uh, on those appropriation bills. We have passed them out of committee, but there's people that voted on them in committee that are now saying they're not going to vote on them on the floor. So we've got a lot of... Uh, I'm, actually getting ready to go to our uh, Republican conference meeting. I'm sure we'll get an update on that, and there will be a lot of spirited discussion on how we move forward on the the budget. But the bottom line is this is the tool that we have to get this administration in control, and we need to use the tool wisely. We also need to use it realistically and, um, you know, invoke as much change as possible in the actions of this administration. Well, maybe they and could follow save, save the taxpayers' money. Well, maybe they could follow suit. You know, we just had some uh, bills passed here, cutting uh, some of our income taxes here in Arkansas. So, uh, uh, we we hope you can kind of ca- help carry that on and uh, help us control our, our spending. Bruce, uh, anything else you want to tell our listeners uh, uh, about uh, uh, anything else special you've got? Well, we're uh, you know back up here, obviously focused heavily on the budget, but uh, 
also got um, a lot of hearings that we'll be doing with me chairing the committee. Uh, there's a big responsibility there. Yes. Uh, but we're, uh, you know, we've got a hearing this week with the uh, Council of Environmental Quality, which I call them the puppeteers for all the Green New Deal and the woke stuff that comes out of the administration. Absolutely. And um, speaking of a budget that needs to be cut, I'm lobbying very hard to, to cut their budget. The, okay. This is a, a small agency in the White House that's authorized to have a $1 million budget. Um, in the last Congress, uh, Pelosi and the Democrats gave them a $68 million budget. Wow. Uh, again, setting in, uh, Dennis Milligan setting in for uh, uh, the Grand One, Dave Ellswick, who's getting some uh, well-deserved uh, vacation time. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be in for three days. And I really think... Uh, Stacy Peterson, my communications director, that we put together a very good, uh, for example, I'll go ahead and tease it a little bit. From 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning, I've got uh, former Governor Mike Huckabee on board. That's tomorrow. Yeah, I didn't mean it today. Did I say today? You know, I'm getting getting a little old, <laughs> getting a little long in the tooth. But uh, right now, sitting before me, uh, with the bluest eyes I've ever seen in my life is Judge Justice Rhonda Wood, and she is actually uh, uh, running for Chief Justice, correct? That's correct. And so I'm going to ask you the easiest question uh, that, that we all get asked as, as politicians. Why? Why Chief Justice? Yeah. No, um, of course it is. So this is really a time of um, tremendous change in the country and in the judiciary. Um, It's changing more rapidly than any other time, and it's important that we have the right person that can step up and and lead the judiciary and understands the, the needs across the state, has the right leadership, has the right experience, um, that can take the technology and really um, use it in a way to benefit the citizens, but also use it in a way that protects the citizens from the dangers of it. And, um, you know, looking at my track record of 17 years in the judicial branch, having the experience at all three levels, um, the trial court, I understand the needs of the trial courts, understand the needs of the Court of Appeals, and then understands, of course, the needs of the Supreme Court. Um, that I'm ready to step in and lead um, and have that experience and have proven it um, to the citizens of Arkansas. Well, that's certainly uh, uh, admirable, and there's no question about your experience. And and by the way, listeners, just for a disclaimer, I'm going to have Justice Barbara Webb on Friday. And uh, I I was just explaining while we were off the air, uh, I've known Barbara for, uh, I mean, she graduated one year ahead of us in high school. In fact, we we have a little bit of an ongoing feud about who, uh, I mean, I'm the only constitutional officer ever elected from McClellan. Well, that's not true, though. She would be a constitutional officer, I believe. So, but... Nonetheless, she will be on uh, Friday, and two two dear friends uh, that uh, it's just one of those situations where uh, may the best woman win, and uh, I'm sure that will occur. So tell me, uh, the Chief Justice really, to a point, is involved more with administrative. Am I correct or incorrect? 
That's correct. So um, it's um, the Supreme Court has supervisory control over all the levels of courts in Arkansas, which, again, is why I think, you know, having experience in all the levels matters and is sort of the administrator of the court. And the other thing that the chief justice does is sort of administrate and lead as far as agendas. So having sort of the setting the tone and strategic planning for the court, um, which is one of the reasons that I talk a lot about um, being the only um, judge in the state of Arkansas that is certified faculty from the National Center of State Courts wow. That um, in strategic planning. So not only do I have the experience and am trained to do it, I'm trained to teach other judges across the country on strategic planning for courts. I can't even pronounce the word. Yeah. Strategic planning. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just pass yeah. on that one. Yeah. But that's sort of really what the chief justice does is sort of set the strategy, if that's easier, um, and planning for the system of where are we going to be, not just next year, but five years and 10 years from now. What's the vision for the judiciary in Arkansas? As another disclaimer, and of course, obviously, Justice, you know this, uh, my daughter, uh, in the Hutchinson administration and in the, the current uh, Governor Sanders administration has been named as a special Supreme Court justice and uh, she's honored uh, by, by those uh, nominate or not nominations appointments but she's also been in the uh, she's a uh, senior staff attorney for Judge Levinsky Smith who you know uh, and uh, so I kind of get some insight. One thing that she and I have an agreement about is that, uh, and we kind of came to this no detente. That's a big word right there, no there detente. <laughs> uh, that when we're together, she didn't make politician jokes, and I don't do lawyer jokes. But now when we're apart, it's fair game. But uh, Oh, no. Do I need to be a little worried? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. We want to get the... We want to get the very best. Is there any other, uh, uh, I guess we will say, any other message you want to get to the to the listeners that uh, uh, I know you said you were out campaigning, you're out visiting with the people. Let me let me approach a subject that, well, I mean, it's it's not like I came up with it, but I hear the word. We're really happy to be getting conservative. Uh, justices is, is that a fair comment i mean you can read into a lot of things there your past history says you're fairly conservative certainly and i think that to me it's um conservative judicial philosophy and how you approach the bench um i think though that it's important to the chief justice role is is really not about how you interpret cases um, so all three of us, you've mentioned there are three of us in the race. All three of us are still going to be on the court at the end exactly. of this. So none of us is sort of giving up our term. Um, so all three of us will still be deciding cases and deciding cases the same way. Certainly there are two of us that are, you know, more conservative. Um, and, you know, that is, you know, bona fide. You know, everybody you know knows that I was first appointed by, you know, Governor Mike Huckabee. And that's how I sort of, you know, began my judicial career. Um, but... 
the chief justice role is really about leadership. Um, but I think it's fair to ask judges what their philosophy is and if it's a conservative philosophy and what their approach, you know, when you're looking at a justice from a case perspective, whether they are, you know, originalist or not, or they're textualist or um, what their version of interpretation is. Well, uh, you're talking all those big words, <laughs> which kind of went right over my yeah. receding hairline. But uh, uh, so... Uh, I, I guess one could argue also uh, be mindful that in 2014 I was elected to, to be the treasurer of state. I was mm-hmm. the first Republican ever elected in 145 years. Mm-hmm. Not something that I'm, I mean, I'm extremely proud of that. Uh, but one could say or one could argue that our courts for years, even though uh, one time were they partisan? They were until Amendment 80 um, in 2000. And I'm like you, they, you know, it's been, you know, some of the sort of liberal media and bloggers have labeled it as Rhonda Wood led the conservative takeover of the Supreme Court. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, if people want to look at our, you know, partisan past, they can. But, you know, Rhonda Wood was just there to run for the, you know, out there telling voters, this is how I approach, you know, judicial cases, and this is my philosophy. And if that's what the state of Arkansas wanted, then that's what they voted for. It wasn't that I had an agenda. (laughs) Well, two things. Number one, uh, uh, your job is to interpret, not legislate. That's right. Uh, and, And I'm real confident in your ability, Barbara's ability, uh, in, in doing that for sure. Uh, and I also tell my friends across the aisle uh, that they got to manage for 145 years. Give us 145, and we'll see who's done the best job. Again, you're a little bit different uh, because uh, regardless of my political or my partisan status, I want you making a decision that's fair uh, to all Arkansans. Right. And, I, you know, I've said awful, often times that um, I'm a great admirer of the late Justice Scalia. And he always said that um, you, if you meet a judge um, that likes all their decisions, then you've met a bad judge. And that's because um, a judge that is result-oriented um, is not a judge that's following the law. And so for me, it's not a matter of whether I like the law or don't like the law that, you know, if we're reviewing an act of the legislature, it's a matter of whether it's constitutional. And so my job is just to follow the Constitution. It's not to push a certain agenda, you know, be it conservative or not. It's a conservative approach to following the Constitution. Excellent. So let's jump in a little more personal you're from Conway, is that right? Well, not originally. I didn't grow up in Arkansas. Um, my husband um, is from Arkansas. He was in the Army, and when he got out of the Army, then he wanted to move back to Arkansas. So We've been here since 95. So where are you originally from? From Wisconsin. Wisconsin? <laughs> yeah. How about Wausau? Did you I'm believe very, I can answer that? I'm impressed that you know Wausau, yes. How about Tomahawk? <laughs> Tomahawk. Tomahawk, Wisconsin is um, up uh, the northern. It's uh, 50, 60 miles from Wausau. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with Wisconsin. Yeah, used it, to get to go up there as a kid in some summers with some friends. Yeah. Well, summer is a good time to go um, versus the winter. Avoid it in the winter. Yeah, but one thing I've always wanted to do is to ride a snowmobile, and I never have yeah. gotten I'm sure you got a chance yes. to do that yes, quite that's a fun. bit. So, with uh, a helmet. <laughs> with a helmet, yeah. So uh, you, you, your husband's from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. He's a doctor, am I correct? That's correct. Okay. Does he practice in Conway? He did. Um, he was an OBGYN in Conway okay. um, until about a year and a half ago. I see. Yeah. Okay. So uh, then you have your children. Yes, we have four children. And uh, I guess they fully support you in your endeavors and what you're doing. Yes, they have been I know quite adept over 17 years of, um, and you know this um, from, I'm sure from Tiffany, that um, your children, um, you know, I don't know, good or bad, they get that call from their parent that they're, you know, running race number six. Yeah. Um, but yes, they, you know, buckle up and get their, you know, Justice Wood t-shirts on and, and ready to go. Are any of them following you in law? Uh, so we have one son who is an attorney um, oh, okay. in Northwest Arkansas. Okay, he's uh, in the private sector. He is. Um, he um, is primarily practicing in federal court, so that he avoids any conflicts with with mom. <laughs> well, I know you're you're proud of all your children, yeah. as I am. In our case, Tina and I only have Tiffany, and uh, of course, when she was in about the tenth grade. Uh, she approached us and said, Mom, Dad, I, I know what I want to do. And I, I said, what? Very exciting. She mm-hmm. said, well, I want to be a, a, an attorney. And uh, I think I only went to counseling for about 45 days. And then I was <laughs> kind of, but she followed through. And she's, uh, uh, again, I'd like to say one of the good attorneys. So what else would you like to add to our listeners, uh, uh, Justice, that, again, would somehow, because, You know, at the end of the day, you can't reach out to everybody, I mean, as as hard as you're trying. Uh, Is there some specific, moments ago it was Dave Ellswick, I'm not Dave Ellswick, Dave's on vacation, uh, hopefully enjoying uh, and recharging his batteries. I'm uh, uh, currently uh, talking with Justice Rhonda Wood, she's a candidate for Chief Justice, uh, and one of the things I meant to ask you, uh, uh, you're originally from Wisconsin. Where'd you go to law school? I went to law school in Little Rock um, at, Bowen, at Bowen. Um, Bowen, where I taught your daughter yeah. down the road. Yeah. Um, but um, it's a great law school, great law school for the state of Arkansas. And, you know, uh, and I'll say this and no, no negativity toward Harvard grads, but she's had the opportunity to serve uh, uh, with interns uh, from Harvard, and she said our law school competes. Uh, I mean, certainly having the name Harvard is a is a big name, but she she said she's uh, fairly confident that you can get a great law uh, education. No, I mean, I I certainly had the oppor- you know option to go to schools with you know the, a different name ID, but um, I believe if you're going to practice in Arkansas, it's Absolutely. important to make the connections and go to school in Arkansas. And um, there were, you know, I was assistant dean at the law school um, in Arkansas, as you know, when your daughter was there, and um, regularly admitted to students that were admitted to Harvard and admitted to Bowen, and, you know, I successfully convinced him to go to Bowen. Well, and, and again, we're very proud of the law school. Uh, she, I agree with you totally. When we talked to her about practicing, she said, well, I'm going to live uh, uh, here in Arkansas, and why not go to where I'm going to practice? And, I, and she probably could have got in some schools. In oh, fact, certainly. Uh, 
you know, she she called up crying one morning after she took the bar and she'd been fretting. I think that's a three-day gig. And uh, she'd been telling her mom every day that she just didn't think she was going to make it. And we were trying to console her about things. Uh, Arkansans, their money back that... Uh, uh, in fact, Gary Underwood mentioned to tell these monies come to us uh, unclaimed property in the form of uh, uh, escrow accounts, uh, utility companies, uh, deposits that uh, uh, were vacated, uh, safety deposit box. I may have just said that. Uh, and every day they're drilling safety deposit boxes and getting the items out. And it's not all money, Gary Underwood. Some of it is uh uh, war medals, jewelry, uh, jewelry. Yeah, I think there's some. Uh, I think there's a signed baseball. I don't know. They said it's Babe Ruth's signature. You know that'd be worth about a gazillion dollars. I'm not. For I'm not sure. sure Babe signed that. But. Yeah, uh, but it's there. Uh, and so, uh, what I want to encourage you to do, and I mentioned it earlier, uh, but as Gary said, not everyone was listening at the same time. Claim it, Ar. Dot com, and uh, you can follow the prompts there. We owe one in four Arkansans money. And you're sitting there going, oh, I know they don't owe me any money. Well, uh, uh, quite uh, quite differently, uh, it happens more times than not. And, in fact, if you, uh, if you happen to uh, go to that website and get money, call in here and let us know about it. Uh, uh, I'm kind of tracking how much we're being able to get that out uh, across the state. We're working very hard. My goal, Arkansas, is to be the top auditor in getting money back to Arkansans. Now, Gary Underwood, you ask how much money's in the pie or in the pot, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Four hundred million. Wow, that's not chump change. No, it's not. And uh, so it tells me we owe uh, we owe Arkansans a lot of money. Now, I will admit readily. Uh, you know, use the old saying, we're from the government, we're here to help. It is their money. Uh, it's not the government giving you something. It's right. yours. So please tell your friends, and if you find money, that's when that's when I have the most fun is because when someone finds uh, that we owe them, then they will go out and tell uh, 10 or 15 people. Yeah. And I keep, mag- you know, multiplying that and multiplying that. And my goal this year uh, is to get $30 million back during this fiscal year. Uh, and that may not sound like much, but it's uh, it would certainly be a, a record. Uh, well, and it may not be – I'm saying it may not be yours. I, I had one in Oklahoma where I grew up that was in my mother's name, mm-hmm. but she was passed. Yes. And uh, I found it, and I was able to claim it in Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, and that would be true. Uh, and there is uh, – uh, again, all the other states, uh, the auditors are in charge of unclaimed mm-hmm. property. So right. uh, help me, Arkansas. My main concern is getting Arkansans their money back. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not worried about Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> well, I understand, but you know, I ended up having to pay taxes on something from Oklahoma in Arkansas because I was living in Arkansas. Yes. So. You don't mind getting Oklahoma money back over here. Well, that's fine. And, and again, <laughs> and I understand being raised in Oklahoma, yeah. your loyalty and going to college there. Uh, but but I've got to say and confess, you're a pretty strong hog fan. You know, I've had season tickets now for about almost 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Wow. And and you've worked with me now for, what, 12 Goodness. years? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah absolutely. And before that, you had a uh, you worked with Governor Mike Huckabee for some I twenty did years for about twenty one years. Yes, sir. Yeah, and you worked with him uh, some. Worked on church staff with him in Texarkana. That's right. And then came to uh, Little Rock in the governor's office. Now, answer me. You you started a TV station. We started a uh, a Christian television station in Texarkana that was part of a a national Southern Baptist network. And uh, we broadcast our worship services, obviously, mm-hmm. but talk shows and football games. In fact, Mike uh, was uh, the play-by-play announcer at War Memorial Stadium for the national for the state championship when the Pine Bluff Zebras took us down. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't a very good day, but you know. And and is it not also true that y'all bought a building that used to be a funeral home? <laughs> we sure did. We went to an auction at the courthouse in Miller County and bought the uh, the office. The, we turned it into an office building, but the funeral home across the street from the church, and we turned it into an office. Now, I'm going to drill down a little deeper. Yeah. So uh, there were times when someone would want to see Mike, and you actually had – some urns in his office that <laughs> he, you didn't know. He had a, when we got there, there wasn't anything in the office except a box of stationery, which we we used to, you know, have fun with some folks. Yeah. And uh, a box of ashes. Okay. And so was it true that maybe uh, someone would want to come and see him and he, and he didn't have the time and he would ask you to tell him he was with someone. You know, you, you may want to ask Mike about that yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I see you're dodging the question. I am absolutely dodging, you know. Okay. Well, we've already put it out there, so <laughs> so yeah, he was and he he wasn't fibbing, was he? No, no, no. He, there there was uh there was somebody with him. Well, I know it's so interesting listening to some of your stories of uh and of course you'll be here tomorrow when the governor uh when the governor's in here, and we've got him in for an hour. And by the way, I'm going to have, uh, and I mentioned uh, uh, on Friday, I'm going to have Justice Barbara Webb. She is a candidate as uh, as Justice Rhonda Wood, who just left uh, for the chief justice position. Known Barbara a long, long, long time. Went to high school with her. And then uh, 8.30 on Friday, I'm going to have... Uh, uh, some veterans on board, an organization, uh, Sherry Briley, uh, who uh, uh, her husband was, I guess, and she lives in Hot Springs. I think she, her husband was one of the main uh, reasons for the, the, the movie uh, Black Hawk Down. Yeah. And yeah. she is uh, certainly a gold star family wife. And for those of you that you don't know, uh, I'm passionate about our veterans. Uh, absolutely yeah absolutely in fact while you were treasurer we uh started uh hosting housing the uh, arkansas military veteran hall of fame display in the treasurer's office yes uh they didn't they couldn't get out in the main lobby of the capitol and i said well as long as i'm treasurer uh this this display uh, can be fascinating stories and let me tell you uh go into the treasurer's office and you can see that and see uh some 28 medal of honor recipients Mm -hmm. uh they were awarded the congressional medal of honor and by the way let me get rid of a pet peeve uh just just up talking about the medal of honor you don't win the Medal of Honor. No, it's it, it is. It's not. Uh, it's you, awarded to you as you know as an or, yeah. as an award. Uh, my award. thoughts on that are uh, 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 is that many of them were awarded it, but they weren't there to they receive. They were posthumous. It. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so 
Uh, but yeah, go in there and see that. It's amazing uh, the Arkansans uh, that uh, are part of the you know uh, men and women from little small towns and the heroic actions that they took mm-hmm. are unbelievable. So, and then when the Gold Star Family Monument thing came around, and by the way, we're the only state may not be now. We were the only state in the country that had a Gold Star Family Monument on the Capitol grounds. Mm-hmm. We weren't the first state right. to have one. Great display right behind the Capitol. It is, and and I was so proud of getting to be a small part of helping get that uh, accomplished. It's a beautiful memory. It's a beautiful piece, and you certainly go out there and sit and meditate and, and think about uh, those families that have been affected. So, uh, you know, again, I think we just got... Uh, uh, I'm going to have fun with Richard Bearden, who's a lobbyist, uh, for, uh, been a lobbyist for a long time, runs a very successful company called Impact Management, along with uh, Terry Bidham and Robert Kuhn. And uh, so we're going to get the, the, the skinny on, on what a lobbyist does, Gary. Yeah, and, you knew Richard before he had gray hair, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely did. But, again, uh, in most in most light, uh, you know, the, the the media makes it out that lobbyists are, are are bad people, and in some cases, I'd say it's like anything else. There's good, bad, and good in everything, including well, politics. And you know, I mean, there are some out there that you know twist arms and whatever. And I guess that that's part of the job for all of them. But you know, the the general public can't be up there every day that the legislature is working. Oh, there's you no know, doubt. Can't do it. There's no doubt. And so with that being said, you know, here's the deal, though, with a lobbyist. If he is short-sighted or she is short-sighted and they dupe a legislator, they'll never get to him again. Nope. You've so, got to tell them the truth. Even when you don't want to tell them the truth. I remember one, one thing that uh, Governor Huckabee always told us. If you're going to bring something to me, tell me, tell me why I should be against, for it or against it. And tell me the other side, because the other side's got a side too. Yes, yeah, and I agree. But Richard, that'll be an interesting uh, uh, conversation, and I hope you'll uh, you'll you'll uh, tune in for that at nine a.m. or a little bit after. I'm going to have the new treasurer Larry Walther in yeah. uh, to talk about a near and dear position that I was actually <laughs> honored to get to hold for eight years. Then I'm going to have Land Commissioner Tommy Land to talk. That don't sound right. That does sounds it? strange. Yes, yeah. it does. Land Commissioner Tommy Land, Tommy Land, who's serving his second and last term, and uh, so I'm going to visit with him a little bit and find out exactly what the Land Commissioner does, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll speak a little bit more about the auditor, uh, uh, and and some of the things that my responsibilities are. Uh, the new Treasurer of State Larry Walther uh, in the house, along with uh, Fran Jansen the uh, director of the Arkansas 529, which is under the Treasurer State's office. Uh, I'm proud to say I actually hired Fran, <laughs> and uh, along with the communications director for the Treasury, Heather McKim. So uh, welcome to, to all of you. Uh, and uh, so let's jump right on it, uh, Treasurer. You were the director, I mean, you have did so many different roles in your life, in your career, and I just want to touch a little bit and let Arkansans know kind of, I mean, you're no spring chicken, 
but but you yeah <laughs> well i had to take a shot you know i got to bring you down to the yeah but i do have gray hair yeah and i have gray and receding hair uh but uh tell me just a little bit about your career and your background well when i graduated from college i went i went to college at uh, monticello university of arkansas at monticello you're a bow weevil i'm a bow weevil proud to be a bow weevil um, I went to work for Southwestern Mill Telephone Company. Oh, I'm well. My major was math, and I was started out minoring in physics, but I took some economics courses, and I loved them, and so I ended up minoring in economics. That economics played, played a real major role in my career. It was something that was important to a lot of people when you know about both macro and microeconomics, and so that's helped me along the way. But I went to work for Southwestern Bell as an engineer, and I progressed through that company uh, to vice president of corporate services, and I was chairman of the SBC for, uh, Foundation in San Antonio. How many years service? Uh, Thirty plus years with AT and T. Wow! I, I retired right after the turn of the century. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> which, which now is quite you know twenty what, 22, 23 years ago. Yeah, but you've got such a storied career of, you know, I call you, uh, and I'm honored because I've actually been called that myself some to be called a fix-it guy. You've been called in situations where, uh, including uh, two presidents? Yes, sir, two two presidents. uh, Bush 41 and Bush 43. Uh, And, oh, three presidents. Actually, I worked for President Obama also. Well, that's, so three presidents, so that's... uh, three presidents that I'll never get to, to work for. So uh, it, it, help me, you, you retired from Bell, but what happened then? Well, uh, Janice and I decided to move back from San Antonio to Arkansas. Arkansas is where we, it's our home. We love Arkansas and have all of our lives, and we tended to come back even with the telephone company. I came back multiple times. to I'd leave and then come back to fix some issues that were, would come up. And so we moved back to Arkansas, and I was consulting in telecommunications. And I got the opportunity. I met uh, a future governor, uh, Governor Mike Huckabee. I met him through a mutual friend, French Hill. And uh, he asked me to go to work for him uh, at the Department of Economic Development. So I was in Governor Huckabee's cabinet for four years, uh, heading up the Department of Economic Development. And then uh, when, and that was a great assignment. I got to meet people all over the state, bring businesses into Arkansas, and uh, it was quite a, it was a challenge, but it was a great position to be in, to meet people and to get things done here in Arkansas. So uh, with the, uh, the election, I forgot what year that was, uh, uh, the new governor came in, Mike Beebe, and so I moved on to, I lost that job, which was expected, and I had friends in Washington, D.C. There was an opening up there in the George W. Bush administration as the director of the department, director of the U.S. Trade and Development Department. It's a small uh, agency that reports directly to the White House. So I was was that, I'm sorry, was that 41? 43, I'm 43, sorry. 43, okay. George H.W. Not well, George W. Bush. Yeah, 43. Um, and I, uh, so I hit it up that agency for a, a, a little over a year. Uh, it was at the end of the administration. Did you move up there? I, I had a 
condominium uh, rented up there. So, I, yes, I, it was a full-time job. Okay. It was one of those jobs where you really did a lot of traveling, international traveling. It was to develop uh, business for U.S. companies in the third world in uh, develop in the developing countries of the of the, the world but the idea was to stimulate business for u.s companies to promote exports from uh from the united states to the third world give helps them with technology but it also helps us with jobs i'm sure that states. wasn't challenging uh it was pretty rigorous i met some interesting people and uh, got do some interesting travels and uh, i really love that job it's one of the most exciting jobs i've ever had so did janice stay up there with you or did she, did you travel back and forth that time she she came up with me and spent most of the time up there uh the next time she didn't uh what happened uh there was another presidential there was a presidential election and a new president comes in and so uh president obama and so I left U.S. Uh, TDA, and then uh, about a year or so later, uh, I was asked to go back into the Obama administration and uh, in a capacity as a board member of the Export-Import Bank of the United States, which is a sister agency of the United States Trade and Development Agency. And so, and I was, I'd worked with them, I'd traveled with the, uh, with the XM Bank, and so uh, it was kind of a natural thing. So I went through that process, had to go through the Senate confirmation again. I went, the USTDA was Senate con- confirmed, so was this one. And, uh, and then I spent uh, about two and a half years on the board of XM Bank. I decided when my term came up that uh, I didn't want to stay. I came back to Arkansas. And that's when I, uh, uh, there was the election that uh, Governor Hutchison was elected governor, yep. and I went to work for him the same day he was inaugurated. And you served, uh, uh, and of course, this is kind of a uh, we're 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 adding a, a long career into a very short period of time. Yeah. But spent eight and a half years as the director of DFNA, reportedly and arguably, some people would say one of the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Notice how I yeah. said powerful. I, I mean positions in in state government but a tremendous amount of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great job. It's, it's an amazing uh, position to be in. Uh, the Department of Finance and Administration touches so many uh, things within government and so many people within the state of Arkansas. Uh, I was honored to be a part of that. I tried to do my best uh, to do it uh, honorably and uh, uh, and successfully, I wanted to make sure that the people of the state of Arkansas were served properly, as well as the governor and and the legislature. So I tried my best to do that. I kept in mind that as my objective, as I as I was uh, the. Uh, Secretary of that department. And as a bit of a disclaimer, I actually went in, uh, uh, served, uh, I was elected as the new, uh, or as the treasurer, went in with Governor Hutchinson. And one of the things that I'm so happy that we were able to achieve together, uh, I guess there's always an argument uh, about, but I would say we were one of the closest working treasuries ever with DFNA. You were, uh, I mean, I, I just think we really made it click, and I'm proud to say and, and feel that we had that same attitude of serving Arkansas. And, in fact, in just a few moments, we're going to get into uh, uh, Fran Jansen and the 529 program that uh, uh, is, is handled out of the Treasury and, and uh, some of my love for financial education. 
But let's talk about, and, and some of it it's not necessarily, uh, uh, you were approached and, and took the job as the treasurer because of uh, circumstances that, that really were are still very sad, and that was the passing of Treasurer Mark Lowry. Uh, Treasurer Lowry passed away a few months ago, and uh, and again, I can't think of a, an individual that uh, would be better than you to fill in a Treasury role. You'll be the Treasurer for the next year and a half, is that right? And you can't you can't run for the office. That's correct. But what is your take so far on uh, on the Treasury, and are you uh, how are you adapting? Okay, I'd like to say something in advance of that. I've, I've got some interesting things to say about that. My take, but uh, I want to. What I'd like to say is the comment I made when I was uh, sworn in uh, by. Justice uh, Cody Highland yes. uh, on a Monday morning at 9 o'clock, I said uh, that I wish that I were still at the Department of Finance and Administration. That I was, I, I'm an early riser like you are, and I, I'm normally, at, I've been at work for probably three hours by 9 o'clock, and I'd have had my probably our third, fourth, or fifth cup of coffee, and I'd be doing the, what I did at the Department of Finance and Administration and that Mark Lowry was walking in the door at the Treasury with that beautiful smile on his face and going to work. But that was not the case. Yes. Uh, the, oper- the, the governor and I talked about that. I, it seemed to be a logical thing for me to do. Uh, it's, you know, I, I believe that God has his hand and has had his hand in my career from the very beginning. No doubt. And um, it just seemed like uh, it was an opportunity that was was necessary for me to do and i and i took that took on that responsibility well let me let me take it down a, a little bit more personal you've had a lot of things on your shoulders you lost your wonderful wonderful wife janice for how many years 53 and uh th- that itself uh, uh along with with this situation again uh uh well, it's just hard for me to fathom, uh, but I'm so appreciative, again, of you stepping forward and uh, uh, and taking on such a role that, uh, and you know what, uh, that's, you're going down in history as a constitutional officer. I think that's, uh, I know I've been honored uh, to get to serve uh, uh, in, in in the role, and I can't uh, can't thank Arkansans enough, but I know your leadership is going to uh, uh, to show. And of course, you know, as the auditor of state, we don't necessarily work hand in hand, but we uh, but we do work together. Yeah. And you know that you can always depend on me, and I know I can always depend on you for sure. Yeah, have uh, Treasurer of State Larry Walther on board. And he's uh, brought the lovely Fran Jansen in to talk about the Arkansas 529 program, which is a, uh, and I'll let Fran, I don't want to, I'll let her explain everything of what it is. But I hired Fran back when I was the Treasurer of State 
And I am going to take a little bit of this thunder. Okay. When we started, we were at about $550 million under mm-hmm. asset management. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And today, Fran, we're bumping 1.2 at least. We're about 1.25 and what that and what, and what that tells me is our Kansans bought into what we were selling. Yes. Because yes. The, the proof is in the pudding. You know, <laughs> when they say it ain't about the money, it's about the money. Yeah. And, and so our Kansans have wholeheartedly said, you know what, we want education for our kids, for our grandkids, for the neighborhood kid. Uh, and the other thing that, I, that I, I'm so proud of is the fact that we've, we've also promoted not just traditional college. Right, right. Uh, with so, the program's financing. Right. So, so just to, to back up a little bit for folks who might not know, the Arkansas Brighter Future 529 is a college, or well, it was originally intended to be just a college uh, vehicle to save for college and, and university expenses but um it is a some folks i think it helps they understand it if you say it's similar to a 401k in that the beauty of it is that it is it is not an instant gratification product i mean it is you take your money whatever you know five dollars ten dollars and you invest it and you let it build over time so it's a very interesting product to try to sell to people because we are such an instant gratification society so you're trying we're we're trying to tell people okay right now your daughter your son may be two years old but you're going to blink and they're going to be either going off to college or don't i know that yeah and and now in the last few years, uh, the feds and, and of course Arkansas legislators have recognized college isn't for everybody. And so, how can people who are maybe picking a different pathway also benefit from a five two nine? So, uh, people now may use funds in a five two nine for trade school, technical school, even uh, fees associated with an apprenticeship program. And also paying down up to $10,000 of existing student loan debt. So we have situations where people who are in their 20s are opening accounts for themselves because they are taking advantage, like everybody else who contributes to a 529, of the tax benefit that comes with those contributions. So unless it's changed... A married couple up to 10000 a year. Right. We're talking about state, not Fed. Correct. Correct. And so they can actually adjust, uh, take that off their adjusted gross income, right? For state taxes, well, yes. Up to 10000 Now, mm-hmm. that's not 10000 per student or per child. That's 10000 total. Total. For the uh, year. Mm-hmm. An individual 5000 Yes. And these monies, uh, and, and now with the legislative change, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I'm not, but... but <laughs> I just had to say that, Larry. But but actually, uh, K through twelve. I mean, uh, yes, K twelve uh, private school tuition, and of course, you know, it remains to be seen, you know, how that will play with with learns. But I think, you know, obviously, depending on what education, I mean, what uh, private school your child's at. Uh, that may not cover it all, so you can use funds in a five two nine for a private school tuition. I just wanted to make that clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, the 529 is not totally designed to be a, 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 a cure-all. It's no, just an it's assistance. a tool in and, the toolbox, And so, so to when you become, let's get back to, because again, as you said, it's designed for college, 
uh, or technical school. Higher ed. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty liberal in what you can spend that money on. Right, right. So some of the, uh, obviously, you know, tuition, room and board, but when you start to look at the expenses associated with trade school or technical school, uh, you know, if you're in a welder and you would need help, you know, you may withdraw funds to buy equipment that you need. Or if you are in culinary school and, you know, those the, the spoons and knives that they use aren't like the ones I get, you know. So, I mean, those are expensive. And uh, so they would be able to, to pull funds from that. Computers. Yes. Uh, I had someone ask me about sorority or, or uh, fraternity fees, and I said, no, I don't think we can go not, that far. Not the, yeah. not the sorority or fraternity fees, but for the housing because if the, yeah. if the child is living just as if they were living yeah. in a dorm on campus right. it's Real the same quick, thing and we're going to go to a break mm-hmm. but uh wh- where can they learn more so they can learn more on our website which is brighter future direct 529.com. It's a mouthful. It is remember, a mouthful. Remember I used to have to struggle some. Brighter Future Direct. And, and here's, the, here's the secret. If you type in Arkansas 529, it most likely, It'll depending, it, back it, it will point you yeah. to us. Well, again, I'm always encouraged and look forward to uh, seeing that program because I'm so passionate about our state. I'm so yes. passionate about, you know, uh, Treasurer Walter was an economic development director, and he knows this. If we don't have the human resources, these companies, mm-hmm. even though they might want to locate, they'll fly right over us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I don't ever want my grandkids saying, you know, I'm moving out of state because I can't find or do what mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. do here. I, if they want to move out, that's fine. But I don't want them using that as an that's excuse. Right. Right. And. Uh, I know that each of you love Arkansas as much as I do, Mm -hmm. and I still think that we're one of the best-kept secrets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it's it's just a matter of of, of passion for that. And Sir Dennis Milligan, your Auditor of State, sitting here with one of my favorite people, uh, uh, certainly at the state capitol, and you don't have many friends at the state capitol, Tommy Land, as you know, but sitting here with Land Commissioner Tommy Land. Now, Now, you're serving your second term, right? That's correct. And Land Commissioner Tommy Land, I mean, did you change your name? I was born for the job, brother. You were born. Now, that is, and I know you've said that more than one time, so, uh, (laughs) and I'll agree with you. So, uh, what we've been trying to do commissioner is is interview different people and get different takes on what they do so you're the land commissioner does that mean you just drive around look at land well that's that's part of my job okay Uh, you know i i would say probably 70 percent of the man hours in the office are spent dealing with real estate okay we handle the tax delinquent auctions in every county in the state now excuse me is that done on a schedule in other words, uh, only a certain time of the year that you actually have your auctions? That is correct. We schedule our auctions usually. We'll start scheduling next year's auctions at the end of this year. Okay. We'll put that on our website, and our website is cosl dot okay. okay. And we'll repeat that before we get off the air. Okay. So when you say auctions, 
uh, you mean you just randomly just go to people and just hold auctions? What 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 is that? What, okay. I mean, is it explain what that is? Okay, when when property become real estate becomes tax delinquent on uh, a county level, for the first two years, the county collector sends out notifications to the property owner saying, "Hey, your property's tax delinquent. You need to come in and pay your taxes." Okay. At the end of that two year period, it's certified to my office. I spend another two years sending out notifications to the property owner. Hey, come in and pay your taxes because if you don't, we're going to sell it at auction at the end of this four-year period. So after the property has been tax delinquent for four years, we'll hold an auction in every county in the state, or at least we, we hold it for every county in the state. And uh, at that auction, it's just like, just like a regular auction, the minimum bid is taxes, penalties, and interest. So those keep accruing. Accruing, that's correct. So you could buy a piece of land, but you're going to have to catch up the back taxes. That's correct. And okay. like I say, the minimum bid is the, the total. minimum bid. I'm with taxes, you. I'm penalties, with you. and interest. Okay. Okay, so you, so you bid the minimum bid. Someone bids the minimum, minimum bid, and it's just like any other auction. High bidder wins. Okay. And... Um, uh, then property that doesn't sell at the in-person, the live auction, okay, that property still remains in our office. It's still for sale. And just about two years ago, we introduced an online auction that operates a lot like eBay does, okay? So property that's been through the live auction and no one purchased it, that property 30 days after the live auction goes into the online auction. The online auction, again, the minimum bid is taxes, penalties, and interest, and you can place a bid on it. It's a 30-day auction, so the first, so when the bid, first bid is placed, that's when the auction starts. 30 days after the auction starts, high bidder wins. And uh, uh, now, now, let me ask you this. I'm the high bidder on something, mm-hmm. but that still doesn't necessarily mean that I own the property. Doesn't the homeowner... Or the landowner get an opportunity to still come back and uh, uh, pay pay that money. Previously to this year, there was a ten day period, ten business day period that the property owner could come and redeem. This last legislative session, the legislature changed that that law so that the day of the auction, when the property sells, it's so it's done. It's gone. No ten day. Uh, redemption pay period after the auction yeah. like they're used to be. Well, I know I've seen some pictures and some online stuff, and usually it's pretty uh, – I mean, there's usually a group of people there bidding on those properties. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it is it is what it is. This year uh, has – of course, you know, the real estate market is is still pretty hot right now. But this year has been like uh, I don't think any other year in the history of the Land Commissioner's Office – uh, I'll give you an example. We were in Benton County uh, holding an auction there a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I believe there were 129 properties offered for auction, which is down about 50%, which is a good thing because that means people are redeeming the property before exactly. it goes to auction. Okay? Uh, there were 129 parcels, and we sold every one of them. Wow. Okay. But But the good part, I mean, if there is a good part, is me as a, a, a landowner – I'm going to have plenty of notice. I'm going to have, what did you say, four, four years. years? Yes. So, I mean, if you can't get your act together, in whatever the situation is, uh, and either sell the property mm-hmm. and uh, whatever, uh, right. then uh, I, would, uh, I would say uh, when the hammer drops that uh, 
they've been given plenty of notice. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we put in a lot of effort into making sure that we notify anybody that has an interest in the party, in the property, whether that would be someone who has a lien on the yes, property, okay, yes, yes. or uh, um, a mortgage, or perhaps if we don't, if our notification, we send our notifications out registered mail, okay? Sure. So we get a card back saying it was signed for. Mm. You know, for instance, no one signs for it. We look to try to find heirs, okay? So we do everything we can to try to notify. So it's not some just government land grab. I mean, you're, no. you're, you would, as you said, we're, we're happy to see in what you mentioned, Benton County, mm-hmm. where the, the auctions were half. So right. uh, that's, and it's, it's a situation that uh, has been in the past. It's it's right now, and it'll always be in the future. Uh, but what else does the land commissioner do? Is that your main main focus? That's that's probably like I said, about seventy percent of the man hours are going to be spent on that. But we also handle some issues with river debris and Arkansas's navigable streams and rivers. Uh, we handle mineral rights that belong to the state of Arkansas. For instance, if if someone wants to mine sand and gravel out of the Arkansas River, yes. they get a permit from us, okay. and uh, they pay the state of Arkansas a certain amount for that sand and gravel that they mine. And so we handle that. We handle uh, uh, the, the payments. We handle the negotiations and things like that. Sure. That's, that's another thing. And uh, probably the, uh, the smallest part of the office, but something in the office that i find extremely interesting is we do handle historical records relating I've, to real estate i've been in there yeah. at least what you got exposed there and i, right. I and let me challenge or, or, or tell uh, visitors come there and look at some yeah. of that stuff yeah. we have some very interesting stuff you know what what a lot of people are surprised to hear is we have the survey notes of the louisiana purchase surveyor yeah and when you normally think of louisiana purchase you're thinking the survey must have started in louisiana Actually, it started in southeast Arkansas, right at the Phillips County line. We have a small state park there called the Louisiana Purchase State Park. And uh, it's a swamp. It's a small state park. You just park in the parking area, elevated walkway out into the swamp, and at the end of that walkway is a granite monument. Wow. That was the beginning point of survey for the Louisiana Purchase. Now, that now sur- you weren't land commissioner then, right? Uh, let me think. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I believe that was before my time. But, I, had, uh, I had to get that one yeah, little dig in. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite a bit younger than you are, Dennis. So yeah, I, you know. yeah, sure but, you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the thing is, uh, that survey was completed, I believe it was in 1817, okay? And... When you look at the primitive uh, equipment that a surveyor used in the early 1800s, we have, a, we have a display that we set up in our office every year of primitive surveying equipment. You know, when you think of a compass, you're thinking about something that goes in your pocket or you hang around sure. your neck. In the early 1800s, a compass was about three feet across and about a foot thick, and you mounted it on a tripod and leveled it, and that's what, that's what you had to pack in. They took a shot on the noonday sun, to determine where, what point on earth they were, so using a sextant. So they placed that marker using very primitive methods. Back a few years ago, they wanted to try to determine how close that marker was to where it should have been. Mm-hmm. So GPS technology and satellite imagery, they determined that marker was two inches off. 
Is that right? Two inches off in the middle of a swamp placed in the early 1800s. And, and you know, the thing that that, that – I can tell you that means something to me because here's what it shows me. It isn't what you start out with that's important. It's what you do with what you start out with that's important. Uh, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, uh, let's, let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, no cell phones, no computers, no that's nothing. They were, they were bare bones, and, uh, and, and I get that. And I think that's part of the, the lure of going into your office and actually getting to look and see and think back to what these individuals, uh, how they accomplish what they accomplish. Yes, yes. And, uh, and, and I agree. Uh, you're one of seven constitutionals, mm-hmm. uh, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, uh, secretary of state, treasurer, auditor, which I'm proud and honored to serve, mm-hmm. and then land commissioner. What was the date that the, uh, that the land commissioner became? Uh, was it later on that you became a constitutional? Uh-huh. The, the, the original purpose of the land commissioner's office was to issue deeds when property transferred from the U.S. government to an individual. Okay, so, you know, back during the Homestead Act days, okay, if you homesteaded a piece of property, uh, when you homesteaded it, you marked out your corners, and I believe it was 160 acres that every individual was was allowed to have. Mm -hmm. You came to the land commissioner's office, and he created a deed for you and put the property in your name. So that was the original purpose of the land commissioner's office. And, of course, in Arkansas, you know, that those those days, Homestead Act days are, are long past, so they've taken on other issues and other other responsibilities you know at one time the land commissioner was over the highway department didn't know that yeah yeah. a bit of history well i've got to say you must have uh done something right uh and you know i i kind of look at these things i believe you receive more votes for a constitutional office than any of us running so uh i don't know how uh, that happened but yeah (laughs) Well, uh, frankly, I don't either. But all uh, right, that's but, enough. The, but 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 <laughs> I, but I've got to say, uh, and you had a business career. You were Southwestern Bell, uh-huh. AT and T, right? Right. And, and, there and for thirty and, years. In fact, you know the treasurer uh, was a long time quote. Now, when you finished, was it AT and T? Yes. Okay, but it's Southwestern Bell for many many years. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so, and then you live in. Heber Springs. Heber Springs, God's country for yes, sure. It is. Lovely wife, lovely daughter. Uh, wife recently retired. December thirty. How many years service did she have? She just had with eight. the county. Yeah, with she the, just had eight years. She and, was a county assessor for eight. And years. so uh, uh, I know that uh, that you love living up there, and uh, uh, and then I guess you know you. Of course, you're subject to be traveling anywhere, anytime. Yeah, I so travel a lot. Quickly here before I go for the break, how can they get in touch? Uh, do you have a, a website? Yes, I do. Website is COSL. That stands for Commissioner of State Lands. Yes. COSL.org. And if you'll just Google Land Commissioner Arkansas, that'll yeah. get you there. Uh, Chairman Wood, are you there? I am. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, just so glad glad to have you. Uh, and you may or may not have heard some of what I was saying, but you are the newly elected uh, chairman of the Republican Party of Arkansas. Welcome to the fraternity. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, appreciate it. And, and with a fraternity, you guys are legends and uh, going all the way back to uh, even pre-reconstruction uh, when you had uh, Johnny Bush, who was the chair of the party, and so we we've come a long way in 
since the beginning of the party in 1860. Well, we've come a long way, but we've, we've got challenges, and I'm so glad that uh, uh, you were uh, elected as our, as our new chairman, uh, and, I, I, as, and I'll get into it in a few minutes. But, Joseph, you, you've got a story that is, uh, as I told the listeners, uh, you were, quote, born in Chicago, correct? That's correct. And, and, and this is your words, not mine. You were found in a box. That, that is correct. And I didn't know that until about 15, 16 years ago. <laughs> but, but tell the listeners a little bit about, because I, I think I could partially tell, but uh, as my wife said this morning, let the, let the, uh, the guest uh, talk. And so tell a little bit about your story, <laughs> if you would, because I think it lays the, 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 the foundation for part of what the vision and hope is that you'll have for Arkansas. Absolutely, I so, again, I always knew I was adopted. Uh, folks who uh, adopted me, they had been married five years, couldn't have kids, and um, my mother was a teacher and really wanted a house full of kids. Um, dad was a construction worker, couldn't, could not stand coming home from work because mother put him back to work. She wanted to get pregnant and have a kid. And after five years, no, no kids, that she said, let's go to the orphanage downtown. We could foster a little girl, and father was excited about that because then he could I guess rest, if you will. But anyway, they get there, and she sees all these kids, wants all of them, and she says, no, I want to foster this little boy. And, and um, they bring me home. And uh, as they're fostering me, she's relaxed, he's relaxed, and sure enough, God said, no, I'm about to bless you with a house full. We had three kids right after each other, one, two, and three. So wow. I ended up being a four and uh, adopted 10 years old. And But 15 years ago, I, the laws changed in Illinois. said if you're ever adopted, you can have your original birth certificate. And I thought, man, if I get my original birth certificate, I'll know who my birth family is. Just let them know, hey, I'm okay. Whatever happened, happened. I appreciate you and love you because you gave me life. And somebody was able to give me a life because of that decision, that loving choice. And, well, they were overwhelmed in Illinois by the number of people looking for their original birth certificate. And when they finally sent it to me, it took the money fast, but months before I got the original birth certificate, and Milligan, you mentioned my wife, Joe. We got three daughters, two son-in-laws, three grandkids. I know what a birth certificate looks like, but when they sent it, it said, this is your foundling uh, certificate of birth. And I had to look at your listeners like me. was like, what is that? I had to look up the word, never heard of foundling. And foundling, you were found. You were abandoned. You were found on this day at this address by this man, Caesar Johnson, and you received an orphanage by this doctor. And that just sucked the wind out of me. I was 45, 46 years old and just blown with, I blown my mind what I was reading. Sure. I was actually, what, found? The day I celebrated is my birthday. They said, no, that's just the day you were found. So anyway, uh, began the search of trying to find the, the doctor who took me into the orphanage. Uh, he had signed off on the bottom of the certificate. I found him, and he had died in 1999. And then I went looking for the guy who found me. His name was Caesar Johnson and did a lot of research and um, months later, I end up identifying and finding finding him. We called him up, and, and he tells the story. Uh, while, one, I, I can't believe you're alive. Two, it had to be over 50 years ago. And in between my tears, I'm crying and saying, no, it was only 45 years ago. And, but anyway, he tells the story. One of the coldest days in Chicago, he's walking out of his apartment complex, and there was a box with a blanket moving, uh, snowing ice out, uh, and and. He put his foot to move the blanket because the blanket was moving. He didn't know what was inside of it. And 
when he did that, there was a baby in that box, and he was looking up and down the street trying to figure out where this kid came from, and couldn't see anything, couldn't find anybody, and carefully picked the box up with, with me in it, obviously, and walked back in, walked his wife, walked his neighbors. They walked around the neighborhood trying to figure out where this kid came from, and eventually Chicago police came. They went around the neighborhood trying to identify where the kid came from, and told the guy, Caesar, hey, you saved this kid, we're gonna, gonna take him down to the orphanage downtown, and he just couldn't believe it. After all those years that I was alive, and um, that, I, that I made it, you know. Uh, I was about five pounds, they said, when I when I was brought into the orphanage. And but anyway, it's been a journey since then. And, and uh, you may know, I think I planned to share with you last year, I ended up finding my adopted, my biological family and what a huge family I have. And so anyway, it's been a journey, uh, Arden Milligan. It's been a journey. Yeah. Well, so let's drill down a little bit more now. Uh, I mean, this is a conservative talk show. You're from Chicago. Well, technically from Chicago, uh, not notoriously a, a conservative Republican uh, state, uh, or or Chicago's a entity in its own self. Can you explain to the listeners a little bit about? I mean, you know, it's it's just a fact. You're you're a conservative and a pretty staunch conservative. How 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 did that? Who influenced or how did that take place? Uh, you mentioned uh, going to Minnesota with you guys, and what a what a what a time that was. But that was 30 years from that was in 2008. 30 years before then, in uh, uh, 1988, I had this revelation, if you will, um, in Chicago. Mom and dad had gone through a divorce, and uh, a lot of responsibility trying to take care of my brothers and sisters, and and the push with all the gangs and drugs. So I figured out what can I do. I started a young teens group in Illinois and Chicago, and uh, it got so big so fast. Um, and I did a lot of work, and it was really trying to, what can we do as a community, as a teen, with working with teenagers, uh, reduce the amount of crime in, in that, that part of Chicago, Jeffrey Manor. And, uh, parents were really looking for a place to keep their kids safe, and so this is what I was doing in the work, and worked with a lot of adults. And when I got back from college, I, I couldn't understand why some of the same things that we had been working on all while I was in in Chicago was still there and jumped back to local school boards and board of elections and just couldn't understand frustrated by the not the not the change no no change was happening a lot of work a lot of politicians saying stuff but no movement and a gentleman by the name of Dr. William O. Stewart the older guy he, he uh said hey hold on let me help you understand why you're so frustrated because I know your belief systems I know how uh, you're pro-life you're doing this work you believe in the the uh, self-initiative, and, and yet every time you go to the election, you, you uh, polls, you turn and vote for everything, uh, uh, vote for those folks who are against everything you believe. Uh, you don't know, I'm a Republican, third generation, and this is a black old man in, in, in Chicago. First of all, everybody in Chicago is a Democrat, black, white, old, young, and here this old man, an older man who I saw as a mentor and a, and a fraternity brother. Through the years, he's watched me and saw, saw the work and then he, he just finally sat down and, and told me, hey, you're frustrated because you're operating under this, but your belief in your core is something very different. And as he started, let me tell you about the Republican Party. And as he started going and talking, scales fell off my eyes. I switched parties in 1988. 
I think Dr. Stewart and I were probably the only two <laughs> Republicans <laughs> in 1988. Yeah. Uh, then we came on back to came to Arkansas and just continued to do that work and engagement in the party, et cetera. Well, of course, you came to Arkansas in the private sector, and one thing led yeah. to another. And, uh, of course, as I said, I had the opportunity to meet you uh, in the early 2000s. But now yeah. moving ahead, so you're the, the new RPA chairman, uh, Governor Sanders called upon you. Uh, you were the Secretary of Transfer. I, I get it so long, but but you were willing to take to take that role on, uh, which I'm extremely appreciative. Joseph, what do you see? Uh, I guess today in our party, uh, I'm speaking. Well, you could even talk nationally, but also uh, locally, statewide, of of your vision and what we can all do to pull together to uh, take care of our state and our country? Well, and uh, again, across the country, we can see this. There is this, this not only uh, political divide, but there's some inner, some inner strides and any inner uh, struggles and challenges, as you will have, is this part of growth. And, and that, that's a natural piece. The real piece yes. becomes where is, our, where is our central core and what's going to drive us to, to come together. You know, this, earlier this week, we we recognized 22 years uh, uh, since 9/11, and I'm gonna tell you, it was the it was the day that I learned a lot about crisis management. Uh, watching uh, an executive vice president at Walmart, who was a Marine, uh, just got into place. Man, everybody's minds were everywhere. Nervousness, people were crying, and we had about 160 people in this building. And he went to the center of the floor, called us all in, and said, "Hey, first things first. Let's make sure you're okay and your immediate family is fine." Also understand, we got folks all across the country on planes, stuck on uh, interstates, and how do we manage to help them so we can get them all back together, et cetera. And so I'm watching this, and here we are uh, some years later, and and, uh, the piece that I remember most about 9-11 was really not only crisis management and watching the good leaderships, leaders across the country, in particular President Bush, but but really watching uh, what happened 9-12. The unification of our country, uh, people had their flags out and all. That's what we're, we're missing. We got it. Not that we need another crisis because we're already there. We have President Biden in. Uh, we see where the policies are going. And so how do we pull together as a party to say, in my vision, that we're an exemplary party in the state of Arkansas, that anybody's thinking about a party, they think about the Republicans. And I also, also want us to be an exemplary party when it comes to this country. Other states, I want them taking a the page out of what we're doing here in Arkansas. Well, you know, I've told you for a long, long time, Joseph, uh, and I was on the bandwagon uh, for you uh, as a potential leader for our state. Uh, honored this morning to have uh, the newly elected Republican Party of Arkansas Chairman Joseph Wood. And Joseph, what I was saying before the break is you know how much faith and confidence I've had in you for a long time. Uh, by the way, you spent two, is it two terms as the Washington County County Judge? That's correct. That's correct. Before making an endeavor to run for lieutenant governor, and I, I really appreciate many of your listeners who didn't run. Had a number of folks running, but uh, <laughs> uh, it was a man, it was a wild race with so many good candidates. But um, yes, well, but two, two terms as county judge. Well, you know, you spoke earlier and said uh, you mentioned something about look, when you do grow, 
you do you do take on some aches and pains and uh you know one of the the things i was always taught when i was chairman is the number of candidates indicates now it's not no fun when you're one of the uh, eight candidates for lieutenant but it also indicates strength in the party and and because back when i was chair uh uh, you know, it was a difficult road to hoe. In fact, uh, some people don't know this, but, uh, you know, we really couldn't find anybody to run against Mark Pryor for the That's Senate right. seat. And and uh, he called me one day and, and said, I thank you for not running anybody against me. And I said, it's, it's not because I didn't want to. But well, the other thing that I knew was that if we did really try to recruit just someone to run, he was going to bring out all that money and really hurt us down ballot, Joseph. And and yes, ultimately, sir. during that time, we got more JPs elected than any other time in the Republican Party of Arkansas's history. So we started creating that farm team. Totally different time than what you've got yep. to deal with today. But we do have, with this growth, as you know, some uh, – and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing – some division in the party – but I, I, I say like you do, let's all come together and make this state the best we can make it. Boy, absolutely. And I remember, in fact, I was your uh, party treasurer at the time, and you're right, the, the bench was getting formed. The farm team, if you will, was being formed. And so you're right, the, the thing Republicans started to go into those county courthouses um, has allowed us to continue to see the growth in the party. And now we see more, obviously we have the House, in the Senate, but again, that was that was that was a build. We had to make sure that we had folks and understood what our platform principles were, and making sure we can draw good candidates in. We had to raise money to do that uh, and stay on message. And obviously, you kind of started that. I remember, and obviously, Webb picked up on there. And you know, you had President Obama that kind of helped also with some of his things that he was doing. I think that's what President Biden's going to do. It's going to continue to draw and, and and have more Republicans come out. What I shared at the state convention a few weeks ago is, though, while we are red, we're not deep as we need to be. And, and we're all our, our issues, a lot of our concerns really have us right there in the foundation with the family. And so when, when we get learns going on, we get the library activists going, we don't have enough uh, party and Republicans who are running for library boards and school boards, city council, where we can have some immediate change and impact quicker than seeing the whole Titanic move in. Washington, D.C., per se. And so getting our counties to focus on uh, building, uh, raising funds, obviously, and then identifying good people to run and be volunteers, run for office, and win, obviously, at those levels, in particular, library and school boards. Well, that's that's the foundation. Look, if you build a strong foundation, the rest of the building, our house, will stand. And uh, I agree agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, so... You know, uh, Mark Pryor came back to me uh, after he got beat, and he said, uh, uh, Chairman, I wasn't even the chairman, and uh, I guess I'd my time, but he came back and said, Chairman, I yearn for the good old days. And I said, well, those days are gone, Mark, and they won't yeah. ever uh, they won't ever be back. Uh, but, uh, but, but that was, uh, you know, being on the cusp of something and getting to see it uh, develop, uh, uh, chairman is something that uh, uh, I enjoyed, and again, totally different time. But we're going to take this. You know, uh, I've said it before. I've got your back in every which way I can, and uh, 
Our job is to convince our Kansans that our way is a better way, that we are, uh, uh, you know, that we are pro-life, that we want to be able to, uh, uh, I mean, your story itself, I mean, very easily you know what could have happened to you, Joseph. Absolutely, and, absolutely, and 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 I and I give uh, praise to your uh, birth mother for uh, you know giving you an opportunity uh, to uh, uh, to live life and to be the productive citizen that you are. Wonderful family again. And is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners that uh, will somehow, uh, I mean, a message that that. Uh, or a question I've asked you that, uh, or haven't asked you that you'd like to say? Oh, absolutely. I, I was going to say uh, I'm a blessed man for sure, but this nation is it's a blessed nation. And I, I can't say it enough to know where I come from and uh, to know where I am now, to see the family and the grandkids that I have, that only God could orchestrate something like that, but only a nation that has this opportunity that people around the world speak provides that and now we have to stay on guard and we got to keep fighting the good fight otherwise the people in china and mexico and all these other places that are coming here to, to try to do and have what they can do and have in their country if we're not on guard they'll stop and say well hey they've gone down this road of socialism and communism we're, we can stay in our own country and so uh we have to reflect and make sure that we have those nine twelve days that are we being the best when it comes to raising our family and uh, raising our children, because if we have good foundation there with our family and our kids, then it makes for a better community, which makes for a better state, i.e. a better nation. Well, so no doubt, and of course... we got a big responsibility in that. And of yeah. course, uh, protecting voter integrity, we've... Absolutely I mean, right. you know, there, there's one thing that uh, Joseph Stalin said that, that caught my ear. Uh, Joseph Stalin said he didn't care about how many people that voted... He cared about who counted the votes, and uh, and 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 that is that is very much a true statement. So, and I'm not trying to open a can of worms there, but I'm just trying to 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 get back to uh, you know our values as Americans. We we, we don't want to be we're the last we're the last what should I say barrier that that because once we're if this country's gone we're cooked. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.